Welcome to the Walk This Way podcast. I'm Kevin Rod, and through a series of podcasts, I'm hoping to share with you the joy and sense of achievement that you can get from walking a long distance path. In the UK, there are over 1,500 designated and waymarked long distance paths, or LDPs for short. Episode 2 Help. This episode is all about advice for first timers. I give some top tips on how to choose a path and then some advice on actually completing the walk. So sit back, relax, surround yourself with ordnance survey maps and dream of those blue skies and clearly marked footpaths stretching off into the distance. Back in the 1980s, my dad had some letters published in the Ramblers Association magazine about how he'd organised, with military precision, completing a number of national trails. I reference the details of these in episode one. Recently, I discovered a box in my parents' loft of letters from all over the country, people requesting information, and then these letters of thanks to my dad after they'd completed the walk. There must have been over hundreds of letters. So I thought... Before I talk about this year's challenge of walking the Warwickshire Way, I'll share with you my own personal top tips that hopefully give you the confidence and encouragement to go out and walk a long distance path for yourself. So you've decided to set yourself a challenge and you want to complete one of the 1500 long distance paths. Here are my five key steps for choosing and organising walking in LD. First things first, you need to find a path. You have the national trails, but there are also hundreds of other LDPs to choose from, all of different lengths covering all of the UK. I'd highly recommend using the excellent Long Distance Walkers Association website to assist you. That's www.ldwa.org.uk. Personally, I'd recommend going for a waymarked path and one waymarked on an ordnance survey map. This will give you greater assurance that the route will be waymarked on the ground. But obviously nothing is guaranteed. They're also more likely to be supported by local ramblers associations and the local council to help keep the path clear. There is an obvious element to consider when deciding which LDP you want to walk. Location. Use the LDWA website to filter locations. This can be based on regions, counties or even cities. The next consideration is, is to decide what distance you'd like to walk. In terms of daily distances, personally, for beginners, I'd go for between 15 and 20 miles in a day. That would be a serious walk for beginners and would definitely make the removal of your boots at the end of the day a pleasurable experience, knowing that you really put a shift in. If you're not sure how far you want to walk in a day, a simple way to work this out is to go for a walk in your local area and see how far you get before you get too tired. This will give you a guide to how far you want to walk in a day. Naturally, it's worth considering the terrain as well. I use www.mapmywalk.com to map the route and each stage of the walk. This will give a sense of the elevation of the route. The LDWA website also has this info. Naturally, big ups and downs going to be harder than just walking on the flat. You will then need to consider how you plan to walk the path. 
over different days or weekends in a daily circular loop or in one go end to end. It should be noted that not all the LDPs start in a convenient place. For me, if the LDP starts and ends in a small town, this will increase the chances of public transport access. I prefer to take public transport as much as I can, both from an environmental perspective, but also to help the local economy. I also prefer to complete the walk in one go. It gives a greater sense of travelling, going on a journey from point A to point B. Some LDPs have advice on completing walks in little loops. Check the website for more info. A further consideration, as well as how you get between each stage, is to think about accommodation and lunch stops. Personally, I prefer if possible to visit a country pub for a lunch stop. However, these aren't always conveniently placed on the route. It's definitely worth checking the pub website or socials for opening times and times for food service. Don't be afraid to call ahead. They're all generally friendly and happy to help. I've had two experiences of having to phone ahead for my order. Both were very happy to help. Therefore, as part of your research, it's also worth noting down phone numbers. Some villages may have village cafes or tea rooms. Naturally, larger towns will give you more options. It's worth noting where shops and chemists are en route, in case you need some emergency supplies. Planning your day's walk. It's helpful to make a note of distances between key locations on the route and then think how long it will take you to get to each key point, whether that be a lunch stop or a bus to get you back home at the end of the day. Generally, most people walk about three miles an hour, a little less if you're going up and down and a little more if you're on the flat. It's also good to give yourself a little extra time to be able to take in the surroundings or visit an historic site en route. Sometimes the extra time also allows for you to try a cheeky half of the second local beer that you spotted at your designated refreshment stop. This will give you the chance to decide with your first option of choosing the local beer based on a humorous name of the beer was actually the right choice or not. You might also want to give yourself a little time just in case should we say that you decide to go an alternative way to the official route. For me this often happens just after the cheeky half that I mentioned previously. I definitely work out a rough timetable for the day, just so you know if you are ahead or behind the schedule. If you are staying overnight, there are numerous options for camping, B&Bs, hotels or self-catering. For both lunch stops and accommodation, I tend to use the maps on TripAdvisor as the most up-to-date information on availability, although any other accommodation booking website would also work. Often accommodation, transport links and food stops are likely to determine the length of each of your daily routes. So, you decided which LDP path you want to walk, how you're going to complete it, and how you're going to get to the beginning and end, where you're going to stop for lunch, and where you're going to stay overnight. Hurrah! You are now good to go. Now to think about completing the walk. Here are my top 12 tips for completing the walk. Number one. Your knapsack. Get a comfortable backpack. If you're going to be wearing the pack for a few days, it's worth investing in a comfortable one. I have a 35 litre pack. It's good for several days walking in mild weather. Number two. Weights and measures. Weigh everything. Consider if you really, really need certain items. After three days of carrying it around, you'll wonder why you bought at least 30% of your pack. 
Inspired by the men of Apollo 13 and their desire to reduce their power usage, you should do the same with weight. Although I have become a little obsessed. On my first trip, I never knew that my undies had different weights. But every little helps, I guess. Think about this when you buy drinking bottles and other equipment. You'll be surprised the weight differences in equipment. And it all soon adds up. Number three. What to wear. Layers is key. Things soon warm up when you get into your stride and then cool down when you stop to take in a view. My essentials include a waterproof jacket, waterproof over trousers. These are lightweight waterproof trousers used for a couple of hours in the rain. A hat, good quality walking socks and good quality season appropriate walking shoes. If money is a consideration when considering kit, I'd spend more money on good shoes, good socks, a good waterproof and a good backpack above anything else. Number four. Practice. Go for a walk with all the gear on. You'll soon realise if something needs adjusting or it will help you to identify any particular problems. Number five. Food on the go. It's really important to stay hydrated during your walk. Take a reusable water bottle and some snacks. Most places you stop by will be happy to refill a water bottle. You can purchase snacks on the way, which is a good way to support the local economy, but do have some with you at the start as a backup. My treat of choice is raisins or nuts covered in chocolate. Or of course, the Rambler's favourite, Kendall Mint Cake. To help reduce waste from bags and wrappers, I'd also recommend taking with you some beeswax wraps. They are environmentally friendly wraps that enable to wrap up food. This can be for the extra slice of cake at the cafe to eat on the go, or if you find a sandwich shop en route. Number six. Power chargers. You can pick up a portable power pack from as little as £15 which will ensure that your phone doesn't lose charge over the day. I found that pubs and restaurants are happy to charge your phone as well, but it's nice to have a backup plan, so make sure you also take your cable and plug with you. Number seven. A basic first aid kit is essential. Antiseptic cream, paracetamols, plasters and safety pins. For plasters, I'd go for the Rolls-Royce of blister plasters and recommend Compede plasters. Quite simply, the best. And they work like magic. Number eight. Feet. Look after your feet. Your feet are going to be doing a lot of work, so do your best to look after and take good care of your plates of meat. Number nine. Health and safety. The countryside is a wonderful place, but be careful and be aware of your surroundings. Think ahead about potential weather changes. Check out episode one for advice from my mum on how to deal with livestock. If you're going to go solo, let someone know where you are going, what route you are taking, and text them on route so they know roughly where you are. Some tracking apps do exist on phones, and it might be worth using them for remote walking. I'd also highly recommend sending pictures of the countryside and blue skies to your friends who are stuck in an office at work. They really appreciate that. Number 10. Always follow the country code. Respect other people, protect the natural environment, and enjoy the outdoors. The other simple motto to remember is take nothing but photos and leave nothing but footprints. Number 11. Warm up. You're going to be using some new muscles over a long period of time. So it might only be walking, but don't be afraid to do some stretches of legs in your back before you head out. Number 12. Maps. I can't believe I've left this to the end. I love physical OS maps. Now I appreciate that we are in 2020 and OS as an app format, but frankly, I love the physical copies. They will enable you to easily plan ahead and see landmarks in the distance. 
Plus, it won't eat into your battery life. I'd go for the 1 in 25,000 scale Explorer maps, the ones with the orange tops. They give great detail, including the different field edges. If you'd like further advice, please do not hesitate to send me an email at longweekendersinfo at gmail.com or contact me via the various socials. I'd be happy to help to provide any advice and assistance that I can. I can also provide details of my previous walks and the routes that I have taken. So, I've now provided some advice on how to choose a route and what to think about before you set off. Now it's my turn to put this into practice. In the next episode, I talk about my challenge of walking a LGP in each of the 38 English counties and provide details on my next county challenge, Warwickshire. So please join me for the next episode and I hope I've already inspired you to walk this way. This has been a Daisy Rogers production on behalf of the Long Weekenders. The theme music is by Rock by Baby. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. Search for Long Weekenders and hashtag WalkThisWay. The podcast is also available on iTunes and Spotify. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, please give us a like and a share in order to allow others to discover it.